there's a reasonable amount of fidgeting and no scratching going on, but I'm not sure if that's people actually trying to get my attention. So wave vigorously at the screen if you are trying to get my attention. But the next question I want to put to the group, and again, it's just for those that you might have an answer. We've talked about you know good advice, good ideas, and things that have come out there. Mark touched on it a wee bit. Um, what about the war stories, the problems you've come across and you've had to solve? Is there anything you, you want other groups to have the heads up about something that can become a big issue and, and how to deal with it or how to resolve it or how to prevent it happening? Roger's waving. Roger? Are you just muted, Roger? Yeah, I just, no. I just talked to myself whilst I'm unmuting myself, Aaron, <laughs> that's all. Um, the biggest challenge we had was setting up a bank account uh, for our incorporate society because of the um, uh, anti-money money laundering law, no one wanted our money. Um, so that was a challenge. Um, but no, apart from that, no, none really. Um, we've been, uh, well, I've been gobsmacked and, and, our, group, and, our, and our committee on our RRCC, Rangatiki Rivers Catchment Collective, um, the support we've had from farmers doing what we're doing is just amazing. Um, when, they, when they find out from the grassroots that it's been driven by farmers um, and the competition the, the, the competition is, we've got one member in our group, Mark Crystal, uh, who's a fantastic leader of a sub-catchment group. Um, he uh, talks about tributaries or, or tribs all the time, and we're doing quite a bit of water testing. We're doing more water testing in our Rangitiki Rivers Catchment Collective um, than what Horizons are, and that's not a criticism of Horizons. It just tells you how enthused our farmers are in our catchment um, to actually understand what's happening. Uh, and when you sort of put the water results up, between different tributaries within a subcatchment, the competition between those farmers is immense. And it's really inspiring to see how engaged farmers are when they actually start to learn and understand how they're affecting the, um, their, their environment. Um, you know, about three months ago, four months ago it probably was, we all wrote submissions, 15,000 of them for the, um, the government freshwater policy. None of us, and I'd say no one on this call, um, and not many farmers in this country had any information to provide to the government to fight what we were, what they were imposing on us. What the subcatchments allows us to do, and we're on the journey, it's a long journey, this is a long journey, it's not just a five minute wonder, is to gather this information and then we can push back and say, well actually our waterways are better, we are doing this and we are doing that. Before it we had nothing. So. And our members in our subcatchment groups and our, our corporate society, all the, all the umbrellas, we've got nine of them now, subcatchments. Um, they're growing like a mushroom. We've got another five or four or five underway that are in, that are in the process. You can't go fast, you must go slowly um, uh, when you set up subcatchments. You've got to get everyone on board, which I've already said, but getting everyone on board, getting that story, getting that information, and being able to share it later on and push back is immensely powerful. That's me. Thanks, Roger. And Peter, you were definitely waving at the screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, we haven't had, and we've had lots of little problems, but nothing's impossible if you go into things in a positive, uh, with a positive frame of mind. And look, there's tons of people out there that are willing to help you. We've had wonderful farmer support of anything that we do. Um, our funding has just been a matter of. Um, driving to Dunedin, talking to the regional council, developing relationships, um, giving them evidence of what we're doing and talking with them. And then they're willing to, you know, they were willing to help with funding. And the district council is exactly the same. And the 
the money from the irrigation company that was um, that was sort of seeding money to get us started. They've since reduced that, which is which is perfectly fine. And um, so that side of it's worked. It's just a matter of getting in the car, getting off your butt, and going and doing it. And just that a, we always have the debate of do we have a farmer subscription? We've got about about two hundred farmers on our database across um, across the North Otago region, and um, we always have that debate and um, we say our skin in the game is our voluntary hours that we put into this organisation and um, we, we, as I said we continue to debate that and um, I, you know, lots of, there's been lots of different views here that, that you do need some skin in the game but we also pay a water rate, we, um, um, we pay district council rates and because we are a non sort of political group and a um, genuine community group where we, we've done projects, we connect with the schools, we um, help out on the Alps to Ocean Cycleway, then, and that's all voluntary hours going in. So that's the that's what we see as the farmer's skin in the game. And largely, we're promoting, well, we believe we're promoting um, good management practice and we don't want to duplicate, we don't want to have duplication. So we look to the beef and lamb, the far, Dairy and Z for information and help coordinate programs within our region for specific catchments, and we so we're coordinating that rather than reinventing that information or um, and just bringing those people in to uh, help farmers with their questions. Um, Peter, I'm actually going to just ask you another question because um, you sort of mentioned it there, and also because you're the one farmer I think on here from a, a different industry, mainly arable, where the others are mainly sheep. How did you find it or, um, and how did you manage that you've got, I know your catchment still having to live in it, so you've got arable farmers, you've got some horticultural farmers, you've got sheep and beef, you've got dairy, uh, different interests, different maybe competing interests. How did you find getting them all to work together and, and have you been able to bring them all together okay? Uh, well, we operate our region a bit like Roger with subcatchments and so subcatchments tend to be of similar farming type. So um, they might be, largely dairy farmers in that subcatchment or largely um, our high country farmers in the mountains that you can see behind me. Um, so, yeah, I guess it is the, probably one of our biggest problems is because we had seeding money from an irrigation company and that's how we, how we started. The focus was around irrigating irrigators rather than um, dry land. And so it was hard to pull dry land farmers in because it, we didn't have initially. We didn't have a value proposition to sell to the um, to the dryland farmers. But now, with the the environment the way it is, it's it's becoming more and more important for farmers to um, join up and um, take an interest. And and as we're all part of the catchment, we all all have an influence on what happens in in the catchment, whether we're a dryland farmer or an irrigated farmer. It's just irrigated farmers tend to be more intense with their production and therefore probably do have a more of an impact uh, but that uh, so yeah it's just taken a little bit longer to get the dryland farmers fully engaged and we're, and look, we're still working on it yeah. cool. and but again no conflicts good again josh i can't see if you're frantically waving at the screen i don't know whether you've got anything to add on this sort of question around uh, problems and fish hooks and so on yeah, look, my comment, and I'm not sure what Ben was going to say here, but um, from my experience working with Hernua District Landcare Group, I, I suppose I have a caution or a, 
maybe just a note about being in the if a catchment group is going to be set up uh, around focusing on the policy space, be aware of what that means. Um, that was principally that one of the reasons that HDLG exists, and, and we have moved away from it. But what we discovered, I mean, this is it took us seven years to get a plan change um, in the Hiranui. Um, and when I joined, our committee was reasonably enthusiastic, and that was four years after the initial uh, group formed. Um, but by two years in, our committee, I think, would happily, well, not happily, they, they would admit that everyone was reasonably jaded. Um, it takes quite an emotional toll to be in that policy space, which, is, which to me was quite surprising. Um, the other thing about the policy space is that it can be quite divisive, um, and we have that issue, um, if we're honest, in our catchment, um, a divide between irrigated dairy farms and dryland farms. And so part of the thing we looked at when we're saying, oh, where do we go from here, is we said, well, we have to continue representing our farms because, unfortunately, if we don't, um, we don't feel that they'll be ad adequately uh, represented. But at the same time, we do need to look and try and um, uh, address this divide that has formed in our community. And so that's something that we've been quite intentional about with our projects going forward, is that how do we start to bridge that divide that, that has formed over the last seven years? Um, and we have that as a part of our One Billion Trees uh, planting program application. It is working on hill country, but also we have projects looking at um, riparian planting um, enhancement with members uh, with people that aren't actually members of our group, even. Um, so I suppose that we, we will continue in the policy space, but I just would add a caution that know what you're getting into. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Look, I'm going to move on to the next question, and actually it's the third most important thing in the poll about why people are or want to be part of a group, and it's about telling their farming story. Um, communicating within the catchment, you've heard about, it's obviously fairly important, but I'm just interested, and again, this is an open one, I'm not necessarily going to go around, but um, for the group, how do you tell your story, in particular, I guess, to people that aren't in the catchment or aren't in farming, maybe live in the catchment but aren't part of farming, What's the, what are the ways you're getting the story out there or you can communicate with people? I'm going to give you a chance to have a think about that one, because we're also going to ask those of you that are listening, this would be interested in your feedback, certainly for Beef and Land New Zealand, how can we tell the story of community catchment groups, what they're doing, their successes, their achievements, their goals, their aims, all the stuff we've been talking about. How can Beef and Land New Zealand communicate that story um, on behalf of, of sheep and beef farmers, on behalf of basically all the industries that are involved in these catchments? So feel free, fire those away in the chat. I'm just wondering whether any of our uh, speakers have got some ideas on um, how we can tell our story. And I see a couple of hands waving. So, uh, Roger, I think you might have been first off first hand. Right. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this one. Um, and I'm heavily involved in beef and lamb. And I'm being told on a regular basis, as long as every other beef and lamb person, that we need to tell our story. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's BS. Um, I don't think we do, do can tell our story because I'll give the analogy that if I'm a ram breeder, I can tell everyone how great I am at breeding rams, and not one of you will listen. But if everyone else on this, on this call thing tells everyone else that I'm a great ram breeder, then everyone listens. And so when we come to telling our story about our catchment group, we can't tell it ourselves. We have to provide the information and record the information 
um, that allows others to tell our story on our behalf. And I'm talking about our regional councils, I'm talking about the government, I'm talking about social media, I'm talking about fish and game, uh, I'm talking about Greenpeace, that might be a challenge, that one. Um, but we need to gather the information and, and provide it in a manner that, are, that is easy for them to capture or easy for them to understand uh, and tell the story on our behalf. It's as simple as that. And we haven't been able to do that in the past, but forming our catchment groups, our sub-catchment groups and capturing the data in an incorporated society and sharing that in a controlled manner um, uh, to, the, to the appropriate areas, um, it's going to be a great story. Thanks, Roger. And Mark, what you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, rural New Zealand, um, we're really good at telling people what we do and we're really good at telling them how we do it, but we are rubbish at telling people why we do what we do. And I mean, it's old, um, sort of old news, I mean, the, the how, the what and the why. But until we as farmers sort of personally sort of think about, you know, what, why are we farming? Why do we care about the environment? Um, why do we want to get a, a community catchment group up and running? And we start infusing our story with, with those messages around why we're motivated to do what we're doing. Um, I, I don't, until we, we sort of tap into that, um, I don't think we're going to get the cut through that we're looking for when it comes to trying to always explain what it is that we're doing. So just, it's just something to reflect on, really. Thank you. Mark? Uh, Rick? Yeah, look, Roger made a really good point about um, third party actually telling that story. And I think this is a great opportunity with community catchment groups. It's not, I know we, we sort of, we can um, form our groups in small hubs, but we also can connect to um, the urban folk. And uh, if we look, we think about Kaitiaki Tanga and the mountains to the sea concept, um, we can make that connection with, with, a, with our high country um, catchment groups right down to our lowland uh, groups and connect with urban and um, get that, getting those guys along to meetings, telling them what, what, what's going on um, and telling them, telling them what the progress you're making. And some of the progress, um, you know, we've seen here with the, the improvement of biodiversity uh, around the restoration of wetlands and uh, riparian planting, etc., is really is a really good news story. And people, just, particularly the urban folk, they love that stuff. So um, it's actually going beyond our boundaries. And um, oh, we're very lucky, I suppose, because we've got a very short catchment from the from Kaimo Range down to, to the from the back of our farm. We can see the estuary. So. Um, but across all our catchments, if we can make those connections all the way down, include the townsfolk, um, that's when the stories really get out there. Thanks, Rick. Anna, I think you were just giving a thumbs up before. You weren't waving at me at all. All right, look, what we're going to do now, um, sharing information is a key part. That's what this webinar is about. But sharing information uh, for catchment community groups is really important for us. So. I'm actually going to, now if we can work the technology, Richard, this is your time to shine. We're just going to go do a wee uh, demo of Beef and Lamb New Zealand's community catchment group page, which has a lot of the information we've referred to or that you may have been asking about on it. And it also has a, uh, a national map of all the, the catchment community groups in place so people know where each other are and can possibly make contact and do some of that 
at sharing. So while we're bringing that up, remember, um, if you've got ideas for Beef and Lamb New Zealand in terms of how we can tell the story, um, you know, um, get their message out there about these two other farmers, two non-farmers about what's happening in the space, please fire it up and, and chat. We're really interested to hear. So, Richard, I think it's you've got control. How does that look, Aaron? Has that come through okay? I can see the, the page, the web page. Yeah, so Beef and Lamb's Catchment Community Program, we've put it together based on a lot of the insights um, from the likes of the farmers you've been hearing from today. So Beef and Lamb's program is very much about supporting our farmers um, to be active participants in catchment community processes or where they don't exist in setting them up. Um, from Beef and Lamb's uh, position or point of view, we don't see ourselves as, as owning catchment groups. Uh, we see catchment groups as being quite autonomous and self-defining and, uh, and um, you know, particularly for our farming communities, farming-led. And it very much speaks to Beef and Lamb's vision, which is profitable farmers, thriving farming communities valued by all New Zealanders. So, um, yeah, on the catchment webpage, we've got a whole lot of resources and I've seen a lot of the chat coming through and a lot of what you're asking about, uh, hopefully you'll, 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 you'll find in here or, uh, or it's under, under development. But um, based on a lot of that feedback from your chat, that gives us really powerful insight to, to develop and shape the program. So like Aaron said, um, we've got a, a catchment map uh, and this catchment map is very much for, uh, I'll see if I can zoom in. It's very much for <coughs> groups to plot themselves and connect with each other in a, in a secure fashion. And it's, it's not dependent on uh, beef and lamb having to run it in the background. So if you're interested in Roger's group here in the Rangatiki, you can click on them, you can find some information. And if you want to send them a secure message, um, there you go, that's how you can do it. And likewise, if you're a facilitator or a coordinator, or you feel as if you have some uh, value to, uh, to offer to catchment groups, um, we've just tweaked the map so that you can add um, a, uh, a facilitator. So if we look here in the Wairapa, we've got Esther Dykstra, and there's a bit of information about her and if we want to send some information to Esther. So this map is completely user-driven, so we won't put catchment groups or facilitators on. That's for groups to put themselves on. And obviously, the more people that are on it and the more people that, that use it, um, then we'll kind of achieve that critical mass um, for, it, for it to really work. So hosting these kind of... Um, uh, e-forums, that's a key part of our, our program. Um, we were getting alongside New Zealand Landcare Trust for the National Catchment Forum in Invercargill, but unfortunately, due to the uh, um, COVID-19 pandemic, that, that got cancelled. But we'll definitely be working going forward and looking at how we um, can connect farmers and um, ensure that people can share their learning and experience with catchment groups um, so we can almost develop... Um, as uh, I guess catchment group practitioners. But people are kind of interested in how our program works. Um, we have no prescription or, or we don't say how catchment groups um, 
should set themselves up. But what we've been able to do is identify um, kind of some process, some key themes about what makes a group successful. You know, that's been really clear on knowing why they're coming together, um, what their vision is for their catchment, what they've already got that's, that's great, um, what actions they're going to take and how they'll tell their story. We've got this, uh, our first catchment e-learning module that people can go through and that, that'll give them quite a flavour of the pro program. And in a couple of months, we'll have the second one of these e-learning modules going live, which is very much for people who've already got a group and uh, how, to, how to get that ticking along. Richard, one of the questions we've had, and I think um, was about job descriptions for, for coordinators or, or support people, what do you, you call them? Um, there's some on the, probably don't yeah. need to go into them, but that, we've got some on the Beaton Lane website. Yeah, so if you look at this, and um, I didn't, what the web designers call as an accordion, um, you'll see here we've got role of a coordinator, and if you click the drop down, you can view an example of a service agreement. So, um, yeah, it's if you have a good explorer in here, you'll find all sorts of stuff. Likewise, through the the catchment map, you could connect with other groups and uh, either offer to share a resource that you may have. Uh, or ask them if they've got a resource that you could share. And when you look at some of the examples we put on this website, these examples come from groups. We're not um, delivering uh, or developing uh, templates for the, for the sake of a template. Uh, and where we can, we'll um, link through to uh, other, other resources. Um, so you'll, awesome. you'll yeah. Thanks, Richard. Now we all keep moving on. We've got a few, quite a few questions have come in. I've been ticking them off as we go because I think a number of them have been addressed, but there's a few I just want to basically an open panel now. Um, again, I'll get you just to stick your hand up if you think you can answer it, you've got an answer. But one of them, and it was touched on a wee bit, I think Rick touched on it before, was um, how do catchment leaders include and account for both Maori landowner participation and support Maori values and approaches such as Kaitiakitanga? And Rick? There you go. You'd sort of addressed it before, but do you want to give us a bit more in depth? Yeah, look, um, yesterday I was in, in conversation with um, with um, some of our Māori leaders in our community and, um, you know, with, with Essential Port, we'll, just, we'll back up a little bit with COVID just going um, uh, through the community and us coming out of it. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of money available to help kickstart communities. And, uh, I mean, there's a real opportunity to uh, work with the young people, uh, young Māori and, and Pākehā, to give them an understanding of what's under their feet um, in terms of those those cultural values around Kaudiaki Tanga because it is, once they get to understand that, it's seriously powerful. And um, talking to the Māori leaders, um, you know, that's a great way to, you know, get young Māori to connect back to um, their ancestral roots. And um, so we're looking at, and I know there's another number of initiatives around the country, including in the Waikato, where um, uh, we get young Māori um, involved in nursery, planting, um, and then weed control um, across our community and, and teach them some skills. And, um, you know, if you think of that about the Billion Trees program, and uh, the, th the things we need to do on our farms to uh, re restore um, uh, 
you know, or get the right environmental out outcomes around um, freshwater, greenhouse gas, and biodiversity, there's a heap of planning needs to be done over time. And there's a real opportunity to uh, for business startup with young young Māori and, and Pākehā to, to help drive that. Roger, just briefly, did you have something you want to add to that one as well? Yeah, really briefly, um, Aaron. Look, you haven't got a community catchment group if you don't include your iwi. It's as simple as that. You cannot have a community catchment without including your iwi. They're part of our community. Um, and uh, not, they may not be as dominant and, 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 and progressively going forward um, to join these groups. So you've got to ask, you've got to be, you've got to be conscious, you've got to, get on, you've got to, you've got to actually uh, um, communicate with them and, and welcome them along. But you don't have a community catchment group or a sub-catchment group if you're not connecting. It's as simple as that. You're in Lululand um, if, you, if you're not connecting uh, because then it just becomes a farmer's group. But you've got so to connect the, for it to be successful. So on the, actually on the same theme, but, you know, communities, um, everybody involved, who's got uh, non-farmers in their catchment? Did you get them involved? How did you get them involved? Who wants to give us some wise words on that one? I'm looking, I'm looking, but no, Roger's waving his hand. Where you go, Roger? Yeah, I'll wave my hand again. Yep, we, we've, got, we've got the activists in our area, and we specifically invited them along to see what we're doing so they understand what we're doing as farmers. All they do is see dirty water coming down the, down the river. We had a, um, a fishing tourism thing that was complaining all the time. We specifically asked them along, say, look, come on, communicate, catchment group, um, and get them involved. You have to. Whereas, once again, you do not have a community catchment. Um, you have a farmer's, farm, a farmer's um, talk fest. Uh, how can you tell your story if you do not invite all these different people along? They might not come to every single meeting, but they must come along and be involved. And Mark, were you just putting your chin in your hand, or did you want to answer that? Yeah, one as well? yeah. Look, it, it's it's not it's it's not straightforward because um, you know farmers, you know, we're, we're businessmen, we run our own businesses, and and we can manage our hours and 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 our workloads. And we, we had um, a couple of folk coming along from town, um, and, and when when our uh, catchment group was in its early stages, but they just couldn't afford to, and and they you know they had jobs and they had other commitments, and they. They just fell away, and yet when they were there, they they were contributing, and so it's trying to put put together a structure and and some timeframes that that make it easier for the community to engage, the wider com community to engage. Uh, Anna, um, <clears throat> so uh, we have struggled. I can't. I'm not like Roger. I can't. Um, he's cut me out. We don't even have a community catchment group. But it's not through lack of trying, but it's bloody hard work and we just have to keep working at it quietly and it's little steps. So I think you're a bit harsh, Roger. Um, our iwi up here are really focused on their, their um, settlement, um, Waitangi Tribunal settlement, and we just haven't been able to get um, much, make much leeway with them. So we're trying for the people that are asking to really do it on a in a sub-catchment level. So just at hapu marae level, like really, it's really basic. and and that, that's really helpful. But um, yeah, I just, for me, I believe you can have a community catchment group. It's not as broad as you want it, but um, I believe it's better to get on and do something as a group of farmers and take make some steps than to get hung up and knock yourself around and really yeah, get derailed without having the full community um, being part of it. So 
my, my, my advice would be just keep going and get on with it and do the best you can, but little steps happen um, slowly. All right. Sorry, Roger, I am going to just cut on to the next question there just in the interest of time. We can continue some of this discussion on later, I think, but one question that's coming in multiple formats is around the, the employed people, whether it's part-time, full-time, you know, your coordinators, your admin people, whatever you call them. Um, your job description, what's their role that they actually play? What are you actually getting them to do? I think you've touched on this a wee bit, but um, what are they doing, that, the tasks you're handing them to, the roles you want them to do? Who wants to talk about that one? Okay, Rick. Can I start, Aaron? Yeah, look, it's, it's more of a facilitation role at the start, I, I believe. You know, just bringing all the strands together and joining the dots. You know, there's um, most important at all, you've got to have uh, the regional council sitting alongside, uh, tapping into the resources, funding where available, and getting them to do some work for you too, you know. They, they've got, they've got um, people that can, can, uh, can do some stuff for you. So that's really important. So creating that partnership, and, and look, in our case, we've created a partnership with all the sector organisations and have that memorandum of understanding. So the facilitator actually glues all, all that together and gets it going. So, and then they, you know, facilitators have, have a set of skills that they can tap into perhaps other people's skills, like um, outside the community, as I mentioned before, might be a retired person that can come in and, and just help with various things. So um, really important to, to have someone glue it all together and, and keep things going. And on that, this will probably be the last question. There's a number of questions we're not going to get to today, unfortunately. But we'll, some of them I've tried to pick out the key ones. Others we can address when we click out an email with the various links to people that are listening. But Roger, a number of you talked about it being farmer-led, bottom-up, you know, engaging the community, that sort of thing. But we've also said um, farmers have limited time, are busy, they're carving, they're sharing, there's crops and all that sort of thing. So hence why you have employed full or part-time professionals to do that. How do those third parties, those people that may, may or may not be farmers, but they are in a different role, how do they go about getting farmers engaged? If you, if you want to be farmer-led and farmer-up, but you're also having an employed person to do it, how does that work? Okay, Anna, that was a hand wave. Well, well you could make them a farmer, but yep. there's one way, like, or, or an ex-vet that helps, you know. So it's picking the right person. I think it's the people that are great communicators and are doing it for the right reason. So I'd go back to Mark's why. Why are they wanting to take that job? And I think if it aligns really well with your group's why, then it'll work. And um, I don't think there's a massive uh, list of skill sets that are essential. It's great to have some, but it's I just think them having the real passion for what you your group has a passion for is just essential. Brilliant. Lots of thumbs up and hands up. And Mark, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, uh, uh, something that I, I think ECAN did successfully do, and it, it developed a really good um, partnership with Landcare Trust. And Landcare sort of came in and and um, and and sort of identified professionals within industry um, and got them into sort of facilitation roles. And you'd have to ask Rhys Taylor just what really went on there and, and what that process looked like. Um, but, you know, this, was, this is how industry can contribute. They have those skills within their ranks and freeing them up to allow them to move into a facilitation role uh, um, 
is is I think a a an, an, an undertapped resource in New Zealand. How, how how can wider industry play their part when they have access to those skills? I just think there's 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 something there that we could be looking at. Brilliant. Okay, Rick, you get last. You get the last session. Thanks, Aaron. Just quickly, the, having the likes of beef and lamb or dairy and Z, um, you know, in our case, Zespri and New Zealand Avocado, sitting alongside as a pan sector of uh, food producers is very, very powerful. And I think um, it gives farmers a confidence to do stuff. At the end of the day, it's all around going to be based around your FEP or what we call LEPs. So, um, and farmers are going to have to do this by 2050 by the sounds of things. So, um, having beef and lamb help um, and, and the other sector organisations help um, uh, step through the farmers through that process is really, really powerful. Brilliant. Thanks, Rick. And look, it's just ticked over three, so we could go on for a lot longer. We may end up doing a second one. We're going to have a bit of a debrief, look at the questions and issues we didn't cover. Possibly there will be a part two, no promises. We definitely will get out to you, um, to the, all of you that are listening, that have registered a link so you can watch this again, um, links to some of the information we've talked about and hopefully address some of the questions that we didn't have a chance to address. But before I wrap up, I really want to thank our, our six speakers who, who came on today, um, five of them with a bit of preparation and one, Josh, who uh, came in at, at short notice but did a great job filling in for Ben. So, but Roger, uh, Mark, Peter, Rick, Anna and Josh, thank you all very, very much. It's been a, um, a fairly heavy duty hour and a half and we've covered a lot. But look, on behalf of Beef and Lamb New Zealand, thank you all for coming on. I think the key message out of all this, and we talk at the end of some of these things about doing a call to action. Well, literally, this is a call to action. It's the message you've heard over and over today is about this being farmer-led, being community-led, being bottom-up. Don't wait for these things to be done for you. Don't wait especially for these things to be done to you. This is your chance as, as communities, rural communities, to get on the front foot and, and get on with these things. We've heard a lot of experience, a lot of advice around that from our speakers. We've got a whole lot of that stuff in our role as Beef and Lamb New Zealand to support that. It's not our role to lead and make it happen, but we will grease the wheels, help it happen as best we can, and uh, we'll send out that information to you. But from the Beef and Lamb New Zealand team, and on behalf of the, the uh, farmer speakers today, thank you all very much, and uh, all the best out there with your community group futures. Thank you.